0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Wrapping with Reefbump. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer, and with me on tonight's live stream, I welcome back Moki Chow. Hey, Moki, what's going on, man? The Inappropriate Reaper is in the house.
1: How are you doing, Keith? Thank you for having me back, and hello to everybody who's on the live stream right now. Really glad to be back here. It's been a long time. I feel like it's been a long time since I've done any live streaming, so pardon me if I don't speak quite right in the beginning
0: well i am i am really excited to have you on moki and um so folks let us know in terms of the audio out there we were trying to kind of equalize our, our volumes a little bit i might be coming in a little higher than than moki is so if um if it's a real problem let us know but i think i think we're good i think we're good you know i can, I can hear mokey so I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody else can but uh, before we get into our discussion, I want to um, thank the sponsors of the live stream, Bulk Resupply and Ecotech Marine. I really appreciate the support from these companies and um, for the show. And I also appreciate the support from you folks, the viewers out there tuning in. And as always, please feel free to add to the conversation, put your comments in the chat. Questions, we love questions. We love to have questions. Audio is good. We're hearing the audio is good there, Moki. So that's... uh, that's a good thing there. Um, great. All right. And uh, I see a whole bunch of um, familiar uh, folks out there. Reefaholic, great bearded reef. Thanks, Paul, uh, for for moderating. Um, Cindy, reef girl, Burt Minshew. Folks, we've got a lot of, a lot of folks tuning in here, uh, Moki. Want to uh, want to kind of see what's up with the inappropriate reefer.
1: All right. Let's get some like housekeeping out of the way real quick. If you guys are watching this right now. Hit that like button so that we can get us out there. But like, once again, thank you for having me on, Keep.
0: So, all right, Moki. We uh, we talked about this right before we went on to the uh, to the live stream, and and it's funny because you were you wanted to talk about this, and I had this on my list of questions. But uh, a little while ago, you made this conscious decision to dial back the number of videos that you were putting out there on YouTube, and you were cranking them out. And uh, I love the stuff you're putting out there about your uh, tanks and you know videos take a lot of time right to put together it's a big time suck and um you know so life can kind of get into the way of of doing that and um it's it can be tough right i mean sometimes you got to try to yep. try to achieve that better balance in in terms of not spending too much time on content creation i mean you've you've got uh, other things going on in life so um i mean you've dabbled in some live streaming i know um you haven't done a lot of that. Are you, are you planning on doing some more live streaming? But actually, you know what? Let, let me ask that question after uh, you answer my initial question in terms of. So What um, I know you put out a video about that topic in terms of dialing back the number of YouTube videos. What, um, so what's going on, Moki? Any, any, uh, any changes since you put out that video about dialing it back a little bit?
1: Yeah. So I guess uh, let me start by why I wanted to dial back. I kind of touch on it in that video, but just like in a nutshell. Uh, number one, there's one reason and then one realization. The one big reason is that uh, I got a son. It's like two, two and a half years old now. Mm. And once he hit the one year mark, he seems to demand a lot more attention from me. Like he can start interacting. I want to give him attention. Right. So imagine each week I spent maybe like two or three nights just cutting videos together. And throughout the week, I'll be filming. And honestly, I'm just, I just feel like split. I feel like I have two, um, two full time jobs. So that's the realization. I feel like if I want to keep going, I could keep doing these uh, weekly videos, but I feel bad. And I also feel bad for Emily, my wife, because whenever I'm uh, putting videos together, she's the one taking care of the kids. Mm. It's funny because like sometimes she joked that, Oh, you know, all those videos you can put out. It's all because of, uh, I'm using my free time. to Let you do it. Like she jokes about it, but it's true, right? It could be time that we spent together. So that's, that's one of the main reasons uh, my son is a little bit older, leads uh, a little bit more tension.
0: Uh, and, and Great Bear to Reef is wondering whether Leon will be getting his own tank at some point in the, f- in the future.
1: <laughs> All my tanks are his. <laughs> his, favorite fish. his favorite fish is the yellow line goby. Mm. Okay, so back to the reason. So I, I said I have one reason and then one realization. The realization come i always thought about okay maybe i should dial back maybe I should dial back and some people even say that i cannot believe you still have time to put videos together with a kid that's like year, year old so the realization come when i started uh, making videos uh one that one video in particular where i talk about the cost in the hobby yeah oh man i feel like it took off in the direction that i was not intended for before like my whole thing was okay there's different price segments in this hobby. Not everything needs to be expensive. There could be budget. But then it became a whole uh, big, big conversation. And to me, I mean, I'm like, okay, like, it's, I don't, I don't mind it too much because nothing is really directed towards me. But at the same time, I feel like that's drama. And honestly, I don't want to be online looking at these things, especially with a kid running around. So I realized that it's kind of like consuming my almost like, mental energy that I should not be spending on. So with that in mind, I was like, you know what? Honestly, to me, it's a hobby. Uh, it's, a different, it's different if this is my full-time job. Yeah. Right? If I have a job, my life is depending on it. It's a hobby. I can walk away from it anytime I want to. And I feel like that's one thing that maybe other content creators do not realize. Sometimes they feel trapped, like a bad comment, or two bad comments, or um, bad video, or something happened, and you feel like, oh, it's the end of the world. That's not the case. For us, who is not, who don't have this as a job. This is just a hobby. So I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Now I got one reason and one realization. Let me just try stepping away from it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna quit a cold turkey, because I still like what I do, and that's why I did it for like five plus years. So why don't I just scale back? Instead of weekly videos, I'll just put a video out whenever I have time, and. It has been about maybe uh, each month i got enough content and enough time to put it together leisurely into something that I'm proud of. Because in the past when I'm doing weekly videos, it seems like I'm on schedule. I have to make something happen. I have to create something. Yeah. It was a little bit easier in the past where I can go to different places. I can travel, right? That's easy. I go to a store. I film it. That's one video. But these days with the pandemic as well, all I can really talk about is my tank. And I'm not comfortable enough to put out informational content as much as some of these um, other content creators out there because they're more uh, experienced than me. I don't want to bring out, like, bad information and make it sound like facts. So I try to avoid that type of videos. So mostly it's vlog. So with that in mind, I was like, okay, weekly schedule is kind of is stressing in terms of, like, uh, social aspect, also scheduling aspect. So it just makes sense for me to cut back. So that's... I said it's going to be a nutshell, but that was a long stretch of like <laughs> why I cut back. But it has been great. It has been great. Uh, there's different aspects to it. I find that I'm much more relaxed. Mm. Uh, I'm much more relaxed interacting with my family. I know I have time. I don't have to rush. I don't need to wake up at like 11 p.m. or until till like 2 or 3 a.m. to put things together. Um, I'm not stressed when I see uh, maybe somebody disagreeing with some of my comments, right? I'm not stressed about any like possible negative comment. It, people have been great, by the way. But if there's negative comments, I feel like, oh, so what? I mean, I don't I don't care. I'm yeah. not in this world. So it's been great all around. The only thing that was not great is that uh, YouTube money does drop a little bit. And we can get a little <laughs> bit into that. I can tell you the exact number uh, that I earned while I was doing weekly videos versus um, not that stretch out. You don't have
0: to be that transparent if you don't want to, Moki, but uh, go for it, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, um, while I was doing weekly videos, um, before I stopped, I was making about 800 to 900 a month. Uh, these days drop down to about 600. So it's not a big drop. It's still decent. It covers the hobby for me, yeah. which is what want, ultimately.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've been doing videos for what you say, five years or something like that. So you've yeah. got a good catalog of videos and, and, um, I think that, um, you know, your stuff is, um, kind of, um, doesn't, lose the relevancy because you were just kind of talking about your experience. And I think a lot of us YouTubers do just kind of talk about our experiences. And, and so maybe, uh, you know, your experience that, you know, your videos, you're talking about a few years ago, somebody can relate to that's Just getting to the hobby now. Right?
1: Yeah. Um, that kind of brings up a good point as well, because as I well was starting to make these videos, I, at one point I was at a crossroad, I need to determine what's, what kind of do I want to make? Number one, do I want to share what I'm? what's what's happening right now like vlog or do i want to share something that's um topical and i feel like the stuff that's topical is more evergreen meaning that if i put out okay how do you raise your ph or how do i like what is the best alkalinity and calcium magnesium like buffer or whatnot just these kind of topical things that people search for they are more evergreen so i feel like if i have knowledge those may be good stuff to uh, to bring out but i don't think i do and the more i learn the the more i realize i don't uh, that's so I went the vlog style yeah. for the most
0: part. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I've learned <clears throat> in terms of doing videos is that um, <clears throat> I'm ta- I'm speaking for one person, you know, and, and it's my experiences, it's, it's my journey. And, um, you know, so it's kind of tough to like put out a video and just make a broad statements about a certain topic that would apply to everybody. You know, I, I, I try to be careful in that sense lately in terms of, you know, this is my experience. This is what happened to me. This may not necessarily be what's happening or will happen to you. So you know it's kind of like a fine line, and uh, you know I have been guilty of of doing those sorts of videos, you know, in the past in terms of making general statements and and, and what have you. But um, you know, so it's tough. I mean, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of information out there, and you have to be really kind of careful in terms of these um, conclusions that you draw that might be taken as kind of um, all right. Well, if it happened with this guy. Or that gal, then it's gonna be something that I'm gonna try, and you know, it should work.
1: But Keith, you know, um, I feel like you are one of the OG reefers that actually knows the knowledge. You have knowledge. You have you talk to the people that have knowledge. So I, I mean, I, I trust what you said. And to be honest, like the more I see some of these um, more experienced reefers, like they, some of them are really honest. They share, and I feel like even even the people who are so experienced have so much uh years behind them have have issues that i have like what chances do i have so i i mean i have no problem listening to you especially as seeing like the results of your tanks and stuff like that but you're right i mean you're smart about kind of facing saying that okay this is just one person's experience and do your own research you know i think that's uh that's responsible and that's smart
0: yeah yeah all right so we've got some comments uh coming in here first of all um milk money reefing thank you very much for the uh for the super chat Stories, Reeve, thank you also for the, uh, for the super chat and the, uh, a comment here is Moki, be honest. Does the wife really support the hobby and enjoy it with you or just tolerate it since it's your passion? Question to you, Keith. as uh, to me okay. as well. So you go first. Okay. I go first. Okay.
1: Um, while we're dating. Emily was super supportive because uh, through reefing, I was traveling in different places. Uh, back then, she was living in Hong Kong too. So we'll pick a destination in the world between us, which is the whole world, and we'll go there mm. and uh, we'll go for himself. So she loves it. Uh, after we got married, especially after kids, she's like, Ur, "Why are you spending time away like from the family to do this?" So she's just tolerant of it. But Leon does like the fish. So every time I'll bring Leon, our son, in front of tank, she'll be he'll be super excited and mom see that. It was like, okay, it's not that bad. But I think what really helped me in terms of the acceptance from the the boss, it's uh, <laughs> it's the fact that the YouTube uh, the YouTube channel is still bringing in enough, um, uh, money to kind of support the hobby. If I am taking money away from what I should bring into the family to fuel this hobby, then I think we're going to have a deeper
0: discussion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, my wife is, um, is certainly tolerant and, um, You know, it's, it's, it's been funny over the years in terms of the, um, the amount of money I've put into this hobby. And, you know, I think, you know, when, when I kind of like, um, make the mistake of like mentioning what I might've paid for a certain fish or for a certain corals, like what, (laughs) what are you kidding me? And, um, you know, but I, years and years ago, I used to do a lot of, um, you know, selling, trading, whatever to other hobbyists. And you could, uh, you know, so it wasn't YouTube revenue, but I was making some money Off of the hobby by selling frags. So it was, um, help, help, it helped support the hobby back then. And, um, I don't know, I've had, I've been in this for for so many years and my wife has seen um, so many ups and downs with me, but she's been very, very supportive, I would have to say very support so
1: it's possible for one more tank
0: <laughs> I don't want another tank man I got too much I got too many tanks already. it is too much work you know it's um I got six tanks now and and um including the quarantine tank so it's uh definitely you know I've got two separate systems when I started the Peninsula tank uh, a year ago it just kind of like doubled the amount of maintenance that I do now on my tanks. I mean, do you find that to be a, uh, an issue with your tanks in terms of the amount of time that you have to spend actually on the tanks and not creating content about the tanks?
1: Absolutely. Um, so last year I thought about maybe doing a budget, nano build uh, version two. I feel like I learned, I learn a lot of new things There are like new equipment's out. That's, um, good candidates, right. To pl- replace the older contents. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't get myself to do it because of like the amount of work, uh, I mainly have two, two tanks right now. Got a 135, got a mangrove tank, um, also an axolotl tank. They're still alive and well, doing fantastic. So three tanks, well, 2 reef tank, one freshwater tank, and I was at the border. But like if I do another tank, I have to take one down.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, it, and, and that's not to say, you know, if things are going well, right? If things are going well, then, you know, you can kind of be on a schedule sort of on cruise control with maintenance and manage it but if things are not going well and you've got issues that you have to deal with then that's a whole nother thing because that's a lot of extra work typically in terms of trying to troubleshoot some stuff right
1: absolutely uh this reminds you of a time when emily was still pregnant with leon and then my 45 gallon cube tank started started leaking i've <laughs> seen this is like at two yikes. a yikes so a nightmare. we yeah, we immediately drove to um, Walmart because it was 24 hours. That's about half an hour away to buy some uh, certain super glue, super glue liquid and also certain type of uh, baking soda. And also, we got some uh, silicone that we ended up not using because it was um, it has the mold inhibitors in there. So it was so yeah. If something happens, right, um, you just got to drop everything and do it now. Times six if you have six tanks.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, mean, let me, let me get back to the question. I, w- I started to ask you at the beginning about, uh, live streaming, you know, you've, you dabbled in live streaming, <clears throat> you know, some say that, um, live streaming can be easier than actually sitting down and shooting video and going in and editing and cranking it all out. I mean, you know, putting together like a four or five minute video, depending on how much, uh, you know, B roll you have and other sorts of things, that could be like an eight or nine hour deal, right. In terms of the work. Whereas live streaming, you just get on, and you start talking, right? And um, but I do have to say, I do a lot of preparation for this show. I do have a bunch of questions, so it is a lot of work. And I think that um, I think some some content creators are great in terms of the live streaming and being the, kind of like run and gun with that sort of thing. But um, it I guess it just kind of depends on on your um, abilities and style. But is that something you yeah. thought about doing more so in terms of live streaming?
1: I did. I did. I thought about live, first live streaming and then podcasting. Okay. Um, live stream, I'm not good at it. <laughs> I try to. I like, find that hard
0: to believe, Moki.
1: I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. <laughs> I know um, some people are great, uh, like you're great. Devin's great. Devin's great at like multitasking. I don't know how he's responding to all the chat while live streaming. Uh, Rico's great. Um, and also thought about podcasting and just chatting. But again, I feel like it's kind of similar to live streaming. <laughs> I'm not good at it. But the problem I have with live streaming is that it's um, the content is really hard to search for inter- for for users. Like, um, for example, if somebody want to learn a little bit more about let's just say pH because the hot topic right now. If um, in a, I feel like in actual video it would be much more concise and you could even put in chapters. I feel like it's a little bit easier to consume in terms of information. Yeah. It's more organized. In a live stream, they may have to sit through the whole thing. So with that in mind, I'm just like. And I'm, but the main thing is, of course, like, I'm not good at it, but in terms of from the user perspective, it's like, okay, maybe it's some different types of like media. I'm not sure if I should lump it together with my uh, main channel, but that's how I feel.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, you're really good though at running, gunning and running gun type of videos in terms of just kind of like talking about your, you know, taking video of your tank, talking about it. And, um, you know, that's, that's something I think you, that's, it's a real uh, strong suit for you. And it, and it's just also kind of speaks to how genuine you are, and that's uh, why I'm sure you've got like a ton of people that uh, follow you in both YouTube and Instagram.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I try different formats in terms of my videos. I've tried doing uh, something a little bit more polished, B-rolls and stuff like that, it's like a uh, voiceover. I've tried it. It's, it's a little more work. <laughs> like, so I started out that way. And at, I started trying vlogging instead where everything is just one cut, right? Just clip, 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 and you're done you put it together. I don't have to like film and then record the voice and then try to like match music. It's just a little bit more straightforward, especially with the time constraint these days. So I just kind of like fell into that aspect. But um, in the five years or so I was doing uh, YouTube videos, I did kind of evolve and try to inform it as I go along. Um, number one, I want, to, well, in the past, I had a little bit more time to experiment. Yeah. So I want to see and I also consume a lot of contents on uh, social media, like different, different vloggers and uh, channels to see how they do things. And I thought, oh, this is cool. Like for example, um, some channels, in the, at least in the past, they started doing little clips throughout the whole video. So people, so you, you show people the hook, like, oh, this is coming up. I want to see what it means. And they kind of uh, kind of like preload all those in the beginning. So these are, there are a lot of little tricks I pick up along the way. I thought it's kind of interesting, like, let's experiment. So that, portion for me was
0: fun yeah you know my my style has kind of evolved too over the years you know i i do both like uh you know scripted stuff and i i've been trying to do more um run and gun stuff and um i don't know i think there's a place for both and it just kind of it, it's true you do um you do kind of evolve in terms of your styles over the years so um what other channels do you uh check out subscribe to briefing channel oh
1: i like I watch a lot of vlogs. Uh, Logan Paul, I know a lot of people are not a fan, but I'm a big fan of him. Uh, Logan Paul, KSI, Jake Paul back in the days, um, Eric's, a lot of um, social bloggers, the younger guys, right? I like the interesting, like, wow, you know? So I like those. For a period of time, I watch a lot of the uh, photographers, videographers. um, And I also watch (laughs) these days, I watch a lot of those in Asia there are channels that kind of condense a movie into like 10, 10 minute pieces. So I watch a lot. Oh, of Oh, Really? T- yeah. So you kind of just like, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You, uh, like in the span of like half an hour, you watch like three movies already <laughs> and walk over it to tell you what's so going it's like on. a
0: movie with clip notes there. You're just kind of, uh, exactly. Hmm.
1: exactly. Yeah. And you watch it's, it's yeah. So I just like a regular user I watch a lot of these. Uh,
0: what about uh reefing channels?
1: I watch a lot too. So I watch you guys, I watch Devin, um, Fish of Hex, George whenever pushing things out, King DIY, the podcast. Actually, okay, the reason I started looking to podcasts, because I see all of you guys doing live stream, although most of the time, uh, I listen to you when I drive, right? So essentially, it's like a podcast. I listen, I watch a lot of those, um, uh, Apes, uh, Telegram, I watch a lot of things, don't usually though, I'm one of
0: those lurkers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Let's let's talk about reef tanks. Let's uh let's talk about your 135 gallon tank. So, Moki was uh, kind enough to shoot um a uh, a little video of his 135 uh, gallon tank, and I'm gonna start running it there, Moki, and you kind of like just start talking about it. But um yeah, so it's yeah. been about a year and a half since we talked about this tank.
1: Sounds good. Um, I'm gonna freestyle it because I cannot see what's being played right yeah. now, and I know. It has a little lag, so I'm just going to talk about the 135.
0: Yeah, go for it. It's running right now.
1: All right. So <clears throat> I think this year I learned a lot uh, doing this tank. I started a tank out with uh, Softy e LPS and implanted little frags of SPS. Um, the reason I did LPS first because I feel like the great uh, filler for space. Yeah. I really. Am- I'm not a fan of the idea of having a tank sit kind of barren for one year, right? So my concept is like, okay, start with ZOA, softies, LPS, you kind of plop them down, they look good. And then as the SPS grow up and take over the space, I my, at least in theory, I'll start taking out the uh, LPS and uh, softies and slowly transition it over to a more SPS tank. And the reason I do this is because in the past, I've never had really good luck with SPS. Usually things go for like two three months and then something happens a big swing and then a lot of them bleach out etc. So I made it a point for this tank to be uh, more high tech so they can help me like maintain the parameters. Yep. And I'm SPS because everybody raves about SPS. I want to see what's what this is all about. So the first year has been rocky. I thought going through the 45 gallon cube tank I'm a little bit better, but I feel like there are certain things I got better but new things pops up, so I learned. And when the tank get to about year, year and a half mark, things just got a lot easier.
0: Yeah, that's usually the sweet spot for a tank.
1: Yeah, so the first year, just kind of struggle, 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 and then like year, year and a half, things got easier. And then um, the SPS frag that I planted uh, previously, they were all brown and just kind of static, just kind of sitting there. And that's also the same time that I started looking into trace elements, uh, Reef Moon Shiners. I don't want to randomly plug. But I, I do feel like it did, it did help me like turn the corner in terms of uh, SPS coloring them up. Uh, I do feel like there was some kind of deficiency in terms of trace elements. At the same time, I also uh, started running the electronic that kind of keep me monitored yep. the quantity uh, of the tank. That that helped a lot. And to be honest, not because like they, uh, well, it's not totally free, but not because of that. But even if I have to pay my own money, I think it's like 1200 or something like that, yeah. I will gladly do it if I'm going for SPS dominant tank. Uh, that is a fantastic piece of gear. And with that, I guess the um, I was able to pack the Eclina-T pretty stable. Whenever it starts swinging, I can address it within half a day. Yep. Great. Uh, recently, I go ca- jump into the deep end of um, PH. I started seriously dosing Calg mm. My reef sensei telegram has been pitching Are <laughs> you do- Doing
0: the slurry? Is that, did he talk into the slurry? Uh, uh,
1: I'm not quite there yet. I feel like with me, the slurry is probably gonna wipe things out. Like I'm gonna do something wrong and
0: start. There. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm not doing that stuff, man. I'm a little gun shy and doing the slurry thing. But uh, that's that's a whole nother discussion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, right now, um, straight up Calwasser, I'm dosing about thirty-five hundred milliliter a and day.
0: Is, so, so many- is that uh, what you're evaporating at this point, or is that less than what you're evaporating? Yes. Almost. 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 Yeah. Uh,
1: so a little jug, a little, I can't, they can't see my finger out there. Yeah. So my little container, um, top of water usually lasts me like two weeks now. So it's almost um to evaporation point. So anything beyond that, I think I may supplement with uh, probably two parts. I don't think I'll go slurry. I feel like it's, <laughs> it's a little expensive.
0: Yeah, no, there's, um, I mean, listen, you know, well, I'm not. I, I can't even get into the whole slurry discussion because I do not know all the finer points of the cock slurry cock slurry method, and um, that's uh, something I got to um, I got to bone up on. But um, what's your pH running at uh, these days? I think
1: average about eight point four.
0: Oh wow! So uh, look, what's what's a low and a high? Yeah,
1: the uh, the low is about 8.3
0: uh,
1: 8. to eight point four
0: five. Oh man, inch. you're in the butter zone there.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? Um, That's one big thing that I learned this past year as well. I was usually struggling with pH, um, usually sits around seven point nine eight. Wow. And I started dosing Calwasser, and then I started running, uh, recirculating CO2 scrubber. And those have been game changers for me. CO2 scrubber took a little bit to kind of fine tune for me. Yeah. Because the first time I did, I just did straight up CO2 scrubber. Media lasted for maybe four or five days. I got one of those big ice caps uh, yeah, media. They just kind of, uh, just kind of burn through it. And I was like, that's not the way to go. I mean, <laughs> that's uh, that's a lot of money. So I did a DIY recirculating but I guess I didn't do the moisture trap well enough. So the, the moisture is still getting into the media and it's just not, it's just not effective. So after a while I saw that Travis fish he has all those, uh, 3d printed, uh, CO2 scrub recircling, uh, cut attachment. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, let's, uh, let's, let's buy a set and see how it goes. Because I saw that he just produced the one, at, uh, the skin for the skimmer model I have, which is the Omega, um, Vertex Omega. So I got it, plug it in, did a better job doing the moisture trap. And, um, it's been great. It's
0: been great. So, uh, by the way, the tank looks awesome. Um, hey, I think the uh, the SPS that I I could see in there were just um, you know coloring up very nicely, very well encrusted. What? So you? All right. So you mentioned reef uh, reef moonshiners method, and, and that was a question that um, somebody was asking. I think uh, Great Bearded Reef was asking about that. Uh, if you're still doing the uh, the reef moonshiners, um, when do you think you did? Did you start? dosing the cockwasser at about the same time you started doing the reef moonshiners or were you were those kind of um started separately at different times i'm kind of i'm trying to peg in terms of when you started to see really positive results was it like when you started doing cockwasser and moonshiners at the same time or was it when you started doing more of the boost in the ph versus the moonshiners
1: So if I remember correctly, the timeline is kind of like I was doing mainly two parts. As uh, ATI ATI uh, Core Essential Pro. I was doing two parts, supplement with a little bit of Calwasser, and then I did the Moonshiner. That's when I actually saw the SPS color up. So I think uh, in terms of coloring up, the Ruby Moonshiner definitely did something there. And then I didn't really go heavy into Calwasser until maybe three or four months later. Um, and once the coral started growing, they demand more of the quality, which is great. So I just dose more of Calcwasser. So it becomes like a spiral. It's like, okay, I need to add more, add more, add more. Um, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. I was going to ask a follow-up uh, question, say- but...
1: I, I've been using Reef ReefMuchiner for it almost been nine months. I, I was looking at the receipts, right?
0: <laughs> is that expensive? It's is that expensive cool. uh, regime?
1: I'll be honest, yes. But if you're really into SPS, I, I do feel that it is worth the expense if you have the um, if you have the money. If it's gonna be a mixed reef, just a few SPS, most likely I'm I'm not sure if it's worth going all in like that. I mean LPS, yeah, you get some nice nicer color, but I feel like for SPS, this is what really takes it to the next level. Um, yeah, there's definitely cost involved in terms of um, the the, the different chemicals uh, the trace elements and also they ask that you do ICP tests initially maybe like every month or two months and then once you get to like half year mark then you can space it out a little bit. but the fact is that you still need to do ICP tests yeah, it's to see where it, it is it is yeah um, So it's not it's not something that I recommend lightly. But I do feel that if you're serious about SPS, um, if you're curious, it's definitely worth looking into because, at least for me, I feel like it did make a difference.
0: So, just for those that are not familiar with the Reef Moonshiners method, it's it's essentially a a, um, a system where you're dosing a a, a certain um, set of trace elements, and there's a formula, right, that uh, yep. you go by, and and yeah, can you just explain real briefly yep. what that? Um...
1: So I'll walk you through like one of the one of the I guess. Um, Adjustment. Uh, Basically, what starts is that I'll send an ICP ICP test, and the recommended one is the ATI one because it addresses most of the elements that we want to test for. And then Andre, the uh, creator of Reef Moon China Method, has a really nice spreadsheet, Excel sheets, where you kind of just plug in the number you get back from ICP for different elements like fluoride, bromine, et cetera, et cetera. And then based on that number, it's going to give you a recommendation on okay, this is the target. Uh, you should dose e- this kind of elements for x amount of day in this volume. So it's really, it's it, he has it down to science. Right? You just it's a formula. Now this is not new. This is not new because like uh, Triton ATI, they have their own version, right? You can dose individual yep. elements. But I guess the um, the measurement that Andre gives, uh, <laughs> it's just like a certain area that just seems to work.
0: So is is the What about water changes in this method? Do you um, continue to do water changes if you do water changes? Are water changes recommended? Or are these, uh, you know, this sort of method more so if you're not into doing water changes? Because, um, you know, with water changes, you're replenishing trace elements, but you do have to do some pretty nice water changes to actually, you know, get enough in terms of the replenishment of those trace elements without a moonshiners type of method.
1: Okay, Keith. Here's where we're kind of starting to touch an area that I'm not comfortable answering because <laughs> not. But, but from my understanding, well, let's talk difficult.
0: about your experience, uh, okay What you know? Are you normally uh, doing water changes, and how how often and how much?
1: I have not done one water change since I started the Reef Moonshine method. Actually,
0: wow, um, wow.
1: Here's the thing. Like from what I read, okay, uh, it sounds like each time you do water change, you kind of tweak the balance of different elements again. So that may throw things off a little bit, and um, from my understanding, actually I shouldn't go further. <laughs> uh, water change is good in in case, from what I've read, is that in case you have something in your tank that ICP does not detect, right? Uh, water change would dilute those kind of pollutants. Mm. At least that's what I read. But for me personally, I have not needed to do water change. Um,
0: so what are your um, what are your nitrates and phosphates at? Uh?
1: My phosphate is usually at 0.1 to 0.12. Uh, my nitrate is usually
0: about 20. Oh, well, that's pretty high. You know, that's that's yeah. sort of uh, elevated. Have you um, had any issues with any, like, problematic algae popping up or?
1: Not really. I mean, I see a little bit of cyanol on my bed once in a while. Um, but so far, so good. And I have a pretty beefy refugium. So I, I'm sure that helps too. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, um i'm a water change guy you know i do 10 percent weekly water changes and i've been doing that for years and years and and um you know so it's i mean listen there's just so many different so many different methods you know it's just it um there's not like one thing is like one size fits all in terms of reef keeping there's just so many different ways that you can keep a reef tank successfully and obviously it shows man your tank is looking uh, pretty sweet thank you
1: and i'll tell you i'm a water change guy too when it comes to my mangrove tank uh usually just just take out 30 percent and once and done. All right, I'm showing, I'm
0: showing the mangrove video now.
1: Sounds good, yeah.
0: Um, all right, so that's where will go talk about it.
1: Okay, so mangrove tank, it started out as a macro algae tank, but as you see, uh, there's not much macro algae left in there. Uh, ammo crab made sure of it. I dropped a male ammo <laughs> crab that was picking up things in my 135, hmm. and he just it loves it in that tank. And right now, it's mostly soft corals, and I think the star of this tank is the mangrove. So that mangrove I got, I think maybe two and uh, time is kind of fuzzy right now. Maybe two and a half, three years ago, from a tank breakdown. And by the time the original owner broke down the tank, this mangrove tree was three years old. I probably should film the mangrove a little bit more, <laughs> but right now there's a lot of uh, a lot of softies in there. Initially, uh, like I mentioned, I had a lot of softies in the 145 uh, gallon tank. But as the SPS started growing, I decided to start moving the Softies and the Gorgon, uh, Gorgonians to this tank because I'm afraid that they'll release stuff, Chemical chemical Warfare, Demi-Himpids, yeah. like, um, SPS, as well as the Euphyllias. Uh, a while back, I was having some issues with Euphilias. I never really pinned down to what it is, but in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, maybe it's all these Gorgonian and Soft uh, and uh, soft Corals, especially Tolstool. So uh, figure, you know what, let's just be sure. Just take one thing out of the equation and put it in the uh, in a different tank. So here it is, and in this tank we actually have three fish. We have a pair of Manga cardinal, uh, cardinal that I keep trying to um, keep waiting for them to uh, kind of mate and breed. They kind of went through the method. Uh, they went through like three times. Like the male was actually carrying, oh. but each time you always end up just spitting or swallowing. in after like three or four days, I do also have a Atlantic oyster blenny in this tank. He initially I thought was a uh, Molly Miller Blenny, which some people say aptasia. E- so I added that Blenny to the 135 tank. And then later on, I noticed that I started bugging some of the um, other, uh, I think it was bothering some of the corals. and Then uh, I took a picture, posted on Instagram and some people say that that's actually not a uh, Molly Miller Blenny, it's actually a Atlantic Oyster Blenny. It's like, all right, well, dang, okay. <laughs> but he's such a character, love that guy. So I moved to the mangrove tank and they've been in there since.
0: Dude, that tank looks awesome getting some similar comments on the uh, on the live stream I just love the um, <clears throat> you know that softy tank that that yellow Fiji leather was a coral that I used to have many many years ago and gorgeous gorgeous coral
1: you know the Fiji yellow leather is one of my dream coral dream soft coral to find I like, haven't seen one in a while I know they're kind of tricky they seem to really like highlights right yep um, that's definitely one of the corals on my list.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I can't recall like how successful I was with that coral. I mean, I, I always wanted one and I think I finally did get one, but I can't remember whether I killed it right off the bat or not. But I used to have this, um, this other leather coral that just got so huge. I mean, gigantic. And I had a pair of clownfish that were hosting it at one point in time. But, um, I do miss the, uh, the soft corals. How, um, how difficult is it to take care of that tank? Is it, is it, a, I'm, I'm assuming it's a lot easier to take care of than the, uh, the mixed reef. It's really,
1: really easy, but at the same time, like uh, bad things can happen really fast. Mm. I'll give you an example. Well, first of all, about this tank, there's no real filtration in it. You see, like an overflow box in the back, but it's basically just, uh, I just house a um, uh, auto top off sensor, and I have a small pack of uh, can clean, uh, can be pure blue. That's it. There's no mechanical filtration for uh, really, and there's no um, no skimmer. So this tank really uh, rely on just water change. It's essentially a fishbowl. So what happened is that I have a small colony of uh, Space Invader Pectinia. And one night sent up really long sweepers. So I didn't think it would be that long, mm. and attacked those uh, Gorgonian that I have in the corner. And almost seemingly overnight, it just the whole thing just kind of disintegrated. Oh, bummer. But like that Gorgonian, it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty vicious. It's like on the on the way out, it decided to send all these things, all the tissues and stuff flying mm-hmm. over the tank. And the space invader pectinia pretty much just uh, out the end. Uh, overnight. So I feel like if I have a larger volume of water, or if I have a skimmer, if I have something to trap all those maybe uh, tissue, that could have been prevented. But because of the fact that it's so small and then it's lacking certain uh, mechanical or skimmer or stuff like that, bathing uh, that just happens fast. But the good news is that after uh, two, actually two nice large water change, things are back to normal and grows happy again. So in fast here.
0: So, um... Flashcan can has uh, said inappropriate reefer. There is a guy to south of Richmond that sells Fiji leather on CL. Oh, what's CL?
1: Is it Cmas or oh, Craigslist? Craigslist. Uh, i right,
0: uh, Charlie, Larry, CL. Craigslist. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I haven't looked. <laughs> You're a lot more, uh, you know, um, up on those things than I am, there, uh, Moki. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's. Uh, I, I like the uh, the natural look of your tanks. I mean, you obviously, you know, you like sand. It seems like you like to have sand in your uh, your reef tanks. And, and sand could be, you know, could be, um, you know, a blessing and a curse in terms of trying to maintain a sand bed. Do you do anything special with your sand beds in terms of maintaining it? Do you like just let the clean, cleanup crew do that uh, work for you?
1: Yeah, so I outsource my sand bed to uh, Conk. I love conks, mm. fighting conks or uh, tiger sand or sand tiger conks. Love conks. They keep my sand bad kind of turns. And um, I know with the 135, especially, I know that eventually it's going to be heavy SPS. So I make sure to get a uh, heavier, larger grade sand. I'm big fan of the, uh, I'm big fan of the reef flakes and mini flakes. Uh, I think pre- only premium aquatic sells them, but those seem to be heavier grade sand yeah. compared to like Fiji. Feature-
0: yeah. yeah yeah um so you mentioned fighting conks i um i had a horrible experience with a fighting conch once this was years and years ago and i don't know exactly if it was if it was this uh, critter's fault or not but um i had this beautiful clam in my tank and um i saw this fighting conch underneath the clam just oh. eating out the bottom you know of this clam i don't know you know so was the clam dying, and the fighting conch was just taking advantage of something that was on its way out? I don't know. Or was the fighting conch like being aggressive and just attacking the clam? Just be careful, man. Yeah, I see you got some clams in your. Um, it, but you don't have you don't have do you have a fighting conch in the one thirty five? I do.
1: Yeah. So I actually have one in one thirty five. Um, you know, speaking of like snail conchs and stuff like that, like last year is also when I learned that bumblebee snails, hmm. if they're really hungry. They go after snails and clams as well.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, I've never had. Like I got, snails.
1: Yeah, I got them for uh, vermanda snails, but apparently they go after clam as well. They're hungry enough. Uh, Do your research.
0: What's them? that?
1: Do your research.
0: Yeah, though? I will. <laughs> I'm okay. not. I'm not sure. I think I'm still gun shy of the uh, the fighting cocks, but uh, or or the um, the bumblebees. But um, so. Um, Clams. You like clams. I, I've talked about this a lot. And I, I had both uh, Julian Sprung and Charles Delbake on, on the show uh, last, last week. And we we're talking about clams and how tough it is to find healthy clams these days. And, and basically, those guys were saying that uh, if you want to bring in a clam, you need to quarantine it for months in a separate quarantine tank before bringing it into the main system because of the disease that um, these clams can bring in. Have you had any issues in terms of keeping clams alive?
1: Yeah, I don't really have good luck with like smaller clams. Um, the larger one seems to do okay uh, so I, honestly I'm learning as well. so if you have any good information, I'm ready to consume.
0: Yeah, I'm the wrong person to ask about clams because um, I, I used to love to keep them and I used to have not you know I used to keep them very successfully but it just seems like mm-hmm. in recent years it's been very very tough for me to like keep a clam alive. But, um, yeah, it's one of those things, right? Moki, it's always something
1: yeah, well, funny you mentioned clam because um recently i was I was tempted um, Gigas clam started coming in stock at OawA, and my local fish store was able to get it at a decent price, but still, it's like,, oh, do I really want to spend x amount of like hundreds on <laughs> three or four inch clam so i stopped myself i was like ah, i gotta be responsible
0: well those that clam also would take up a lot of real estate once it starts getting uh, right
1: i mean they get yep. big really big yeah so but maybe it's maybe the man side of me i was like i don't want big i want yeah <laughs> a <of> bigger, better, <laughs> well that but, clam
0: you got in the 135 is pretty darn big as it is right how big is that clam
1: uh i'll say maybe almost a foot
0: a whoa flight. man so are you thinking about um, <clears throat> potentially getting that clam out of there or you just want to kind of ride that out go ride that
1: out um, <laughs> at least a couple of years, two three years maybe we'll see. <laughs>
0: you're gonna have like a big clam in that tank and no, no, no room for anything else but
1: um, close up and things square yeah
0: up. there you go so um, you alluded to the fact that you're um, it, it sounded like you wanted to kind of trend towards an SPS dominant tank. Or at least, um, you know, you started with the LPS to kind of like fill some gaps and, you know, the SPS, you kind of wanted to, to you know, wait for those things to grow out a little bit more and then just kind of sort of transition more into SPS. What um, is, is, are you concerned in terms of all the other soft coral and, and the other, you know, LPS you have in that tank in terms of there being enough room for the SPS to grow or are you going to planning on taking some of those other, you know, LPS out of the tank and doing want to swap or are you going to try to like have everything live in harmony because i know in my tank i've got a bed of um, my 187 gallon tank i've got a bed of zoanthids two beds of zoanthids that have carpeted the bottom <clears throat> and have worked their way up into the rock work they're not really hurting anything in terms of the sps but i am going to kind of do a major uh redo on the uh, on the tank and probably get a lot of that stuff out of there are you um, thinking of doing a similar thing, or you just kind of want to organically let it uh, evolve and see where it goes?
1: Um, great question. Uh, so I am starting to move things out of the tank. But the thing is that my, my tank right now, in terms of like the light or the par reading, I think top of the rock work is about 270. And middle of the tank is about 150. So the light is not that high.
0: What, uh, what so lights feel- are you running?
1: Uh, I got three Radeon G5 XL15s and in the back I have one of those AliExpress uh, light bar in the back that gives it a little extra light because um, in the back I have most of the SPS so I feel like they can really benefit with a little bit extra boost and the reason I did that is also because of the spread. My tank's tank is pretty deep, deep like front to back it's about 30 inches yeah so the 15 in the middle is not going to cover the very front and the very back so right now, um, the way the rock structure is, the back is a little bit higher. That's where I situate most of the SPS. That's why I've got the LE bar in the back. And most of the um, LPS and softies, except for the hammer all the way in the back, but most of the softies and LPS are kind of in the front of the tank. And that, that's a plan, like the uh, middle portion of the tank, the LPS softies and Zoas, eventually I'll probably either move it out of the tank or just move it lower to the tank and leave the uh, upper part of the tank to SPS. But my what concerns me a little bit more is more that once again I keep going back to like this Adi Softies releasing things into the water that I don't know about, because I don't usually run carbon in this tank. So more so than the space. I'm more concerned about these kind of potential chemical conflicts.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned you don't normally run carbon and, and then somebody also mentioned, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but um they said that carbon is part of reef moonshiners. Is that something that's like an option in reef moonshiners to run carbon or not to run carbon?
1: That I'm not sure. Um that I'm not sure, but I'm not I'm not running carbon in the moment.
0: Yeah. So you know
1: who's great to have on at some point. Uh Andre. Uh yeah.
0: Moonshiner. Yeah, I know. I've um we've talked about that. It's a busy guy. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um Talk to us about uh, in one of your recent videos. You 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 uh, pulled out this. Um, you you were pulling out this beautiful uh, bubble tip anemone that had taken a lot of uh, real estate in that 135 gallon tank. How how tough of a decision is that? I mean, you know, we talked about you kind of um, you know letting that clam do its thing and, and just see where that goes. And and it's tough, man, because you know I'm I'm. It, that was one of the things I struggled with with my um, decision to, to redo my 187-gallon tank. It's a beautiful established reef tank, got big, healthy corals in there. You know, talk about that kind of mindset in terms of, like, man, it looks so awesome in terms of that bubble tip anemone, but it's it's kind of, like, outlived its uh, service in this tank because it's sort of taking over, you know, so how difficult of a decision is it to pull that bubble tip anemone out of there? I guess, I guess you're going to leave a little piece of it, but... Um, Right. It's it's not easy. So
1: to, to be honest, it was not too difficult simply because this morph, it's there are a lot of there are a lot of babies out there locally for this morph. Mm. My friends got them. Jim got Jim got them as well. I, at least uh, my, one of mine is also going to gym, so he has two of them. So I know that if at any point I would like a roll spoke to be an enemy back from this strand, I could. And um the fact that it's so okay. Big is not a problem, but if it stays in its corner, then I have no problem dedicating the space to it. The problem is like every day you just sway from left to right. Mm-hmm. So today maybe hitting here, I can clear it out and it'll sway back this way. Um, it just takes up too much room. So I rehomed them. They both go get them away. One to Jim and one to um, another guy that drove, drove four hours one way to Ooh. get them. Yeah, so I uh, really appreciate it. And I do have a tiny... Colorado sunburst that I hope to like grow out a little bit and then we'll introduce it to the, to the clown to hopefully restart the cycle. And my hope is that maybe it can last a year without getting too big if I had to do this all over again.
0: I had this gorgeous um, uh, elegance coral, you know, and um, I remember when I first got on the hobby, they, they were like eye candy. They were just so awesome elegance corals, but they were so, so hard to keep. I mean, you couldn't keep them, you know? I mean, they, and they looked like anemones, yet they were, they were sedimentary. They, they couldn't go anywhere. So it was kind of like the best of both worlds, I thought, that it was like an anemone that um, couldn't move around and stink stuff. Well, <clears throat> I, put, I put one in my tank, um, my 187-gallon tank, uh, several years ago. And man, I was psyched. It was like it was growing, and and it was like healthy, and it was just it was like this beautiful um, kind of um, green with a lot of fluorescent colors in it, and uh, gorgeous. But man, those those tentacles just kind of like were starting to reach around and sting and stuff. I mean, it was like a uh, a turbo snail graveyard right next to this oh. elegance, coral. I was like, <laughs> and plus it was stinging other corals. It, and I just like, had to keep pushing it further and further away into the corner of the tank to try to keep it away from, like, everything else. And eventually I just had to kind of get rid of it because um, it was doing too much damage. So I guess, yeah, you know, in those sort of, like, instances, you really do have to think about the practicality of the coral that you're keeping.
1: You know, funny you mentioned this because I'm running into the same thing with an elegant Coral Frag from Jim. Uh back, I have an elegance coral that was kind of going through, uh, it went through an elk swing. It was receding. It was receding badly. And Jim, thankfully was local to me, seems to be able to revive and just grow any corals that I throw at him. So I was like, Jim, can you save this coral? He was like, okay. And he took it. Did really well. And last year, or, or earlier this year, he said that, hey, you want an elegance back? I was like, what? <laughs> Turns out that elegance coral did so well that it dropped a baby. Oh wow! So it actually produced a baby, grew a little skeleton, and the baby is like, was like, yeah, it's just a baby. I'm like, okay, so I got it. It's like, it's like this big, and um, ever since I got it, it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, it was near the front of my tank. It has maybe like two inches to the glass, but now it's kind of squished up to the front of the mm-hmm. glass, and start, like you say, starting to reach around yeah. and start threatening to tag other uh, yeah. corals and. So now I'm like, okay, uh, I need to find a space. I just I just remove uh Roosevelt enemy. me. Now I gotta find a space for this uh, <laughs> elegant coral. But this guy is special because um came from this offspring of one of the coral that Jim saved. and it was like a, almost like
0: a- That's really that's uh, cool. That's pretty cool. So Jim's a coral whisperer there, huh? He just uh,
1: Yeah, I call him the Reef
0: sensei. We're ta- we're talking about telegram for those folks that uh, know I'm on Instagram and YouTube, Jim. He was actually I actually had Jim on the uh, on the show. Yep. I gotta get him back on. Uh, we'll yep. talk about caulk slurry um uh so farm frag says for the uh, in moonshiner you need to run carbon so i don't know man you might want to uh Maybe. might want to look <laughs> into that but <laughs> <I hope you. laughs> um what else we got going yeah any folks if you got any more questions for um uh, for Moki then uh put them in the chat or any any comments what um so you talked about Kalkwasser, you know, in terms of uh, starting a dose that. You've been doing the Reef um, Moonshiners method. Talk talk about, uh, Moki, you know, you've been how, – so how long have you been keeping reef tanks? For five years? Five plus years? More?
1: Oh, keeping tanks? Hey, right? you've been Whoa. doing
0: YouTube for five years. You've been keeping tanks for more yeah. than that.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. I'm trying to think back. At least – oh, I started in college. <laughs> At least – 17, 18 years, it's been a long time, it's been a long time. But to be fair, all these earlier tanks, they all kind of just like big fishbowl. I use tap water, no sump, it's basically a, a tank there, like a hang on filter, um, skilter, resi prism skimmer, like all those things. And then I got like MaxiJet 1200, pushing water, is one, one of those, but um, it works. And I keep easier things like softies and Frogspine LPS. And there's always, Hair algae on the back wall.
0: Hmm. So the earlier days is kind of
1: like that. So it's been a while, but did not really step up the uh, in the hobby until more recently, I think.
0: Well, I mean, what would you say are the top things you've learned since you started in the hobby that, um, you know, no one would you know now you would do differently? I think the easiest answer is
1: use roadie water instead of tap water. But at the same time, I feel like tap water worked for me. Maybe it's because the tap water around me is not terrible. And um, honestly, I don't mind LG too much. It's fine. It's there. Uh, so, let me think. I think... It's so cliché, but patient, man. I think patient is still the number one. Especially with uh, SPS, my journey into SPS. A lot of these frags I got, they just sit there and not do anything for months they'll start encrusting and it starts sprouting. That's when you're like,
0: oh, but you know. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've found, you know, <clears throat> certain frags that I'll put in my tank will just sit there and do nothing for a very long time. Maybe they'll start encrusting, you know, and other, other frags will, um, you know, they'll start shooting branches right away. Maybe like a little encrusting in, in and what have you, you actually added some high end, um, SPS a while ago to your, 135 uh, gallon, right? I mean, you, I think you did a video on that where you, 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 put in some like the Walt, Walt Disney, and and some other uh, frags. Maybe I'm remembering. Yeah. The, um, how, how are those doing?
1: Oh man, the Walt, that's, the Walt Disney said goodbye a long time oh, ago. No. I, I tried twice. I bought it from uh, some local guy. Guy is a really nice guy. Um, one t- the first time it's like it's doing well on the frag uh, on the frag rack. It did well for a week. So I was like, okay, time to move to Rockburg. <laughs> <work. laughs> move to and the They bleached out. <laughs> are you kidding? Bummer. And then time i got it from him again i put on the rock uh i think at night it something knocked it over tumble into the sand and by the time i pick it up in the morning it <laughs> bleached out that that's it i almost feel like if i look at it different if i look at it wrong it just bleaches. Mm. it's so weird not sure if it's just so sensitive or something else is going on um but the other sps so i also got some really nice sps from touch of aquatic um the first round some of them, uh Brown, I still have some of them today, but most of them did not really do well. That was, I think, half a year or maybe like seven to eight months into uh, the tank setup. Yep. Second round, I got from them. They all made it except for one. Um But same same deal. They kind of just sat in my tank for a little bit, didn't do anything until um, a couple, almost like half a year later, they just started doing well. They just started taking off.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, it sounds like the tank was a little, you know, was a little on the young side. You know yeah. and um you know that's that's something that uh you know i, I think it takes like a uh, a reef tank maybe uh, eight to ten months to really kind of get to that place where it is uh is mature enough and stable enough where it can really support you know the higher end um sps so it, it is a bit of a crap kind of at the beginning of a tank's life to um to put in those frags but you got to kind of you got to have some starter frags in there anyway you know you got to kind of like test the water so to speak kind of see how things do but um yeah i mean so any uh any any uh plans again in the future to put in some more uh, higher end uh, sps or you just kind of like want to leave leave things yeah. well enough alone
1: um i wouldn't say higher end
0: sps specifically
1: but general in general like there are a couple ones that i saw that I really like what are you um, like, what are
0: you uh, what are you eyeballing
1: uh the red dragon ah the milk is actually looking for for a while but uh, i got G-Mas tons G-Mas of that
0: I- stuff man if i was closer to you G-Mas then
1: <laughs> yeah, so there's certain ones. Uh, there's certain ones. I was like, oh, I not make a note. I actually have a little, little. I uh, did a little uh, list of things I would love to have in my tank. Uh, of course, some of them are pricey, uh, the high end stuff. But there's some of them that I feel like is a little bit more um,
0: affordable. affordable.
1: Uh, in particular, I think there's a um, what's that monty called? Is it Rising Phoenix or something like that? I forgot. It's like a beautiful, beautiful monty cap. It's like a, oh, yeah. it's like a uh, gold orange kind of. It's kind of it reminds me of the um, Kung Pao, Monty. Oh, OK. It's,
0: yeah, yeah. Like yeah. cap
1: So it's a little bit different. Yeah, there's certain weird ones I saw in pictures. And then I went out Google to make sure it actually looks like that picture, right? And I was like, OK, this is nice. And I put in a list. So I, I have a list. Um,
0: uh, This is a good question I, I have on my list here for you. What um, What is the most inappropriate thing you have done lately in terms of reef keeping? <laughs> in terms of what? Reef keeping. <laughs> reef keeping? Oh man, are you are you doing less inappropriate things these days versus when you first got into the hobby?
1: Uh, I think I still do I'm,
0: inappropriate things.
1: Okay, here's the thing. Like, I feel like I'm a lot more appropriate as my subscriber count goes up because I feel like I get <laughs> a lot of eyeballs and not really do anything I want.
0: Um,
1: I think the most inappropriate thing that I did last year I feel bad about is actually I I added two Hallequin shrimp in my 135 to address okay. all the escherichia starfish. Okay. And with harlequin shrimp, usually you buy chocolate chip starfish. And usually the standard practice is to chop off a leg and feed them, not the whole thing. Or maybe you freeze the whole starfish first and then chop off the leg. So I was sitting there, I was like, oh man, I feel bad. But I got a sharp piece of scissor. I tried to cut the leg out. I was like, man, this thing is not coming off. It's much tougher. (laughs) I thought it's soft. I tried to use razor blade, but man, the whole time I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm earning you.
1: so after that, um, holocaust shrimp, I don't know what happened. They disappeared in the one forty-five 135 gallon. It's like after a week, they just disappeared. Yeah. I'm not sure if maybe the Ross got it or my pistol shrimp got it. I heard a lot of pistol snapping. like. <laughs> 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 but regardless, they were gone. And I have the chocolate chip starfish to this day in my in my refugium. And oh. that lake started growing back out. There's like a little little, little lake now. Oh, cool. But yeah, so that's the other thing. Because um, I remember in the past when I was looking to Holacron shrimps, people were saying that oh, it's not uh, it's not possible for starfish to regenerate in a in like in a reef tank. I was like, oh, here it is. It's like He
0: like, <laughs> proved them wrong. <laughs>
1: yeah, so it's doing there. So I was like, ah, right, through bad. Here, let's have a good life. Enjoy the refugium.
0: Um, so you mentioned the uh, the uh, Asternia snails. Do you do you um, have any uh, routine in terms of? Um, you know, screening for pests that you bring in, you know, corals that you bring in your tank. Do you do any quarantining or uh, dipping? What's your uh, protocol there when you're bringing new stuff into the system? Uh, great
1: question. I don't dip anything at the moment because I feel like my tank has everything already. <laughs> <But>
0: <laughs> your tank has got everything, huh?
1: <laughs> I, the tank's got everything. It's all natural. <laughs> um, I, I tell you this. I can now see why people say quarantine is so important. It's because um, once it's a it's a big difference going from a small 45 gallon tank to a 135, because my mindset it was still in the cube tank in, in the beginning, right? I was like, okay, if there's pests coming in, no problem. I pull the rock, pull the pest, done, right? The rock is got stuff, just dump the whole rock, replace it. But in my 135, a lot of escape is all kind of like cemented together. It's yeah. whole big. Tr- I cannot pull it out. You're not gonna get it up. So there may be stuff in the back of the rock where I cannot get to. So when it comes to larger tank, I do see the point of quarantine now. So now I understand. So moving forward, if I will ever do another big tank, then I, I feel like I'll be more vigilant in terms of like quarantine. Yeah,
0: Quotes. you got to watch out for those acro-eating flatworms. If you're getting into the SPS, those things um, are a pain in the ass. And, and once they kind of get in there, it's tough to get them out. I mean, it's easy to, um, you know, to kill the, um, the actual worms before you put them into the tank by just doing the dips and all that sort of thing. But then you know the eggs uh, don't don't get killed with the dip, so it's it's tough. You know you really I um I set up this uh, quarantine tank, so I do like six weeks of quarantining and dipping every week, and and using my microscope and all that sort of thing. And it's uh you know I mean it, it only cost me like a few hundred dollars. In terms of that quarantine tank so it's, it's definitely worth it. and it's not like a lot of work either because mm. I basically when I do the water change on, on my uh, one of my established tanks I take that tank water so it's like a 20 gallon quarantine tank and I will drain 10 gallons out of that quarantine tank and I'll replace it with 10 gallons of the established tank water so it's um, you know so I don't have any skimmer on it I've got a, um, a little mechanical you know um, hang on the back filter uh i've got like a little led on it and um a little gyro pump inside so it's not it's not um terribly complicated at all but at least it's something that um you know i could use to try to like help try and prevent the uh the you know pest getting in but but speaking of um expense and i know we uh, we sort of touched on this before do you consider yourself a true uh do it yourselfer and um and and is that really to kind of like help manage the expenses in the hobby? Is that a way that um, you, know, you can kind of you know, do that in terms of doing things yourself or, or you're not that much of a, a do-it-yourselfer?
1: Uh, I am absolutely not a DIY guy. Not a DIY guy. A DIY guy. Like really basic stuff, maybe. But I kind of feel I, I like things that look nice and polished and whatnot. I'm a Apple iPhone guy. Uh, so if the cost is not ridiculous, I'll rather just pay to get something that's kind of like nice. For example, like uh scrubber, LG scrubber.
0: Yeah. I know
1: that DIY is possible. But I feel like if I were to do a scrubber, I number one, I probably won't trust myself like mm-hmm. doing all these things a week and whatnot. I'll rather just like spend the two, three hundred dollars and buy a new unit that's like nicely packaged, has support, and looks nice. Um, but of course, with that said, there are certain things that's I feel like DIY is completely fine like um, uh, just uh, let's say let's say frack rack like in a pinch i don't mind using like a crate and stuff like that but of course if i have the funding and whatnot i would like to buy like a nice uh, beautiful frack rack like you did like i saw your video about it too like that looks nice like i would be willing to shout out for that but certain things diy i if it's easy enough i could do it but if given a choice i'd rather just spend the money and just get something
0: so you, um, and I'm not sure we touched on this before or not, but you, you did put out a video a few months ago. It was kind of like your stream of consciousness about the state, the current state of the hobby. Do you want to, uh, yeah. do you want to talk about that just briefly in terms of yeah. when you uh, mentioned that video? And I'm, I'm kind of curious as to, to hear what kind of uh, feedback you got from the viewers on that.
1: Okay. Um, so let me preface this by saying that everybody has been super nice. Like everybody's like um, addressed the, I guess, the topic. And I was, I was like, okay, that's cool. But just so much happening. Um, so at the time, I think I, I forgot what it was. I was shopping for something. And then I saw I saw like the price of products and stuff like that. And it got me thinking. I was like, okay. Um, I see a lot of ads for more expensive stuff. For example, I just use Radeon because um, that's what I have, right? Yep. Uh, it's what six, seven hundred, 700 800 900 But at the same time, on the other side of the spectrum, we got, at least back then, like Viper Spectrum. Like two, three hundred that has like respectable as well. So I feel like not a lot of people talk about the cheaper stuff yeah. because maybe it's not, which is fine. I mean, I'm totally okay with that. Um, some people afford the expensive stuff, they want a nice UI and brand name, whatnot. That's fine. So I just feel like there's space for all these different lanes. Uh, but on social media, maybe it's due to, uh, I guess, like more expensive stuff is more presentable. Maybe it's due to sponsorship and whatnot there's more content out there for the more expensive stuff, which makes sense because bigger company has the money, right? And has the uh, uh, resources to send out stuff for review, myself included. I I was a benefactor of those. So I saw those and I felt like there's an imbalance in terms of representation Mm. online, in terms of content being pushed out and published. And uh, that gives the impression that reviewing is expensive. It is expensive, but it doesn't have to be super expensive. Uh, So that's, that's pretty much it. And I just feel like, okay, it's not just not just expensive stuff. There's like more affordable stuff out yeah. there as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What? Uh, what? But. Yeah. Go, I was gonna say. That, what? Go ahead.
1: That kind of serve as like a jump-off point for a lot of uh different contents coming out from it, which is fine. It's a good discussion.
0: Yeah. What was the reaction of the of the viewers to that video? Uh,
1: I was like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, a strong sentiment. Uh, beca- uh, people feel like, oh, I became the champion of the more budget stuff. But I feel like, no, I'm not, because, look, I'm using radions and stuff. I got those for free, like, straight up. I got it for free, of sponsored material. Um, but at the same time, I'm totally fine with doing the more affordable stuff, uh, even though I do prefer the, of course, if you have something nice in front of you, you, like, prefer a nicer one. But I have no problem using the more affordable stuff, too. So it's not totally true, but I just kind of let it roll. be like, okay, that's cool. I'll just quiet you know everybody has the right to express themselves and that was that
0: yeah you know it's interesting you got to kind of like um be careful when when um you get uh, people that uh, might react negatively to a video and um i uh i find it tough to um you know kind of rain it back you know rein it in and not and not overreact to a comment so i uh, i always try to keep the high road but that's a tough tough thing to do you know Yes. um I guess we're kind of
1: coming back to the content creator section, right? Yeah, it's there a we, we go. A whole big loop. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, it's, it's interesting because now influencer is not suppo- is not the proper term anymore. It's content creator.
0: Content creator, not an influencer. Okay, yeah. I like that better. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, influencer is kind of. I guess is like kind of bad. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you're absolutely right. And I've been thinking about sponsorship and stuff like that too. Uh, I have been really careful in terms of who I take on uh, to sponsor my stuff. And moving like in the future, assuming that I want to get a little bit more serious again, I was like, okay, how would I have done sponsorship? And that's one thing I noticed with a lot of content creators these days, outside of the briefing hobby. They actually have just like 15, 30-second segments of commercial about this certain product. So I feel like if I if I were to do it again, I may not even take the free product or whatever. Just be like, okay, this company sponsored this, and I'll just give them like 15 seconds, 30 seconds. Make it really obvious this is a commercial. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, um, it could even be outside of the reading hobby. Uh, maybe like certain website or different random car stuff. They want to sell the car. Uh, just yeah, just we'll just advertise here. Maybe pe- I feel like maybe the audience will be even more accepting to this because now I'm not biased towards certain products, which I try not to be.
0: Yeah, no, it is a um, it, it is kind of a, a, a slippery slope and a fine line in terms of having sponsored content versus non-sponsored content, and um, yeah, it um, y- you can definitely kind of toe that line. It could be a little tricky, for sure. Yeah,
1: well, you know, um, I guess my approach is that if I would not use my own money to buy product from this company, I probably would not work with them in terms of like taking on sponsorship, because now you're kind of endorsing them,
0: right? Hey, look, Moki, I don't know if you could see it, but uh, on the upper right hand corner, we've got uh, the sponsor's logos right up here and Ecotech is one of them there. So, I I
1: mean, I like, uh, can I tell you my, this kind of childish to be honest.
0: Go Uh, for it, man.
1: (laughs) I I set a little milestone and goal when I started my channel. Um, first 100, first 100 subscriber, I did not really set any goal because I didn't think any of it. I was like, all right, whatever. I'm just sharing videos with my friends. And then, um, thanks to CJ's Aquarium, by the way, who's uh, I think he may be coming back. Oh he really? Kinda, yeah, he may be coming. He helped me get to like I think it's like 500 subscribers. He like gave me a shout out. I went. What for was like the 200. advice he gave you? No, just like shout out. Just oh, like, oh okay. I out his channel, he brought me onto one of his live streams oh, cool. and introduced me to a lot of other people. Uh, so that was I was like, oh, it was great, 500. That was one of my milestones. So and then at that point, I was like, huh, oh, you'll be awesome. Well, actually. Between one uh, between 500 to I think it's like 5,000 subscribers, what my goal at that time is like, oh, this would be great is that if I can uh, get other content creator to kind of recognize me, it's like, oh, there's this guy, his name is in the Provo reefer. I thought that'd be super awesome. So I was super <laughs> stoked when I went to, I think, Palooza in New York, like the first year I went and uh, I was like, oh, I see this other content creator, I'm, I'm a big fan. Like, I'll freak out, I was like, oh, like, hey, I know you. I was like, yes, achieve. But one of during this period of time, right? One of my goal uh, is to get sponsored by Ecotech because I feel like they are like the one of the pinnacle yeah. for me, right? up a reefing company, so going like, oh, to be awesome! Like uh, Ecotech. I get I get like um, do do my job well enough that Ecotech is gonna reach out and actually work with me. I think it's fantastic. Uh, so happy to report, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of I feel like it's kind of childish, but at the same time, you do need to. Well, you don't need to. But these little milestones, little goals that you set, help you move along. Yeah. Because sometimes it's high motivation to keep going. And I think the lack of motivation and stopping creating uh, regular videos is one of the number one killers for channels. People just stop because they don't see anything, and uh, for a long time there may be no return, or maybe you get some like really bad feedback from one of your videos, and you just got to keep your head down and just keep cranking out the contents until that passes. But you need these motivations.
0: This is a great segue into my other sponsor, Bulk Reef Supply, because we got Remy in the house, Bahama Llama Coral. What's up there, Remy? Hey,
1: <laughs> I have a weeping willow letter from him. That is uh, doing really well right now. Like for a long time, it did nothing, and then all of a sudden, it started uh, started growing a little bit more. So I have a lot of people local that want to get a piece of it.
0: Right, the uh, the weeping willow. Yeah, we we talked yeah. about that when he was on the uh, on the live stream. Um, what else did I want to ask you, man? Oh, somebody had asked you a question uh, um, a while ago about uh, ask. Uh, this is from Luis. Ask Moki about advice on uh, on dinos. Any uh, on di- any advice on dinos?
1: I got a uh, yeah. I got a couple of contacts of them. Depends on what type. First, identify what type of dinos you yeah. got. I cannot pronounce them. One is the large cell. Keith may have to help me out.
0: The yeah, I don't MD. know the names, but uh, okay. O S T E R ER, something or other.
1: OST is a type that goes into the water column, yes. right, at night, yes. if I remember right? Yes. Those will react to UV. Yes. So slap on UV, those are a little bit more toxic. Yeah, uh, those a little bit more toxic in terms of like once they die off, they may cause some trouble. Uh, but they can be addressed by UV. The other type, the one that I had, uh, the latest round, are the one that's on a sand bed at night. They go into Ooh. the sand. So go into the water column. So for that one, the way I address it, I dose silica to encourage a diatom bloom to outcompete that type of flagellates.
0: Interesting. And that's what uh, was able to kind of uh, knock them back was just getting the diatoms to, um... to compete. Yeah. Wow. Gotcha. Uh, Remy says, I'm hoarding mother colonies of weeping willow. Laugh out loud. <laughs>
1: <laughs> People love that coral
0: yeah what is that uh is that like a leather type of coral
1: it's a leather with really long tent, uh, polyps so when you get a decent enough size I'll get long enough and the flow just look absolutely beautiful
0: yeah you know i gotta like think about i don't know man i got too many tanks i was like i'm just gonna say i gotta think about starting up a um a soft coral tank i've got like this little nano tank that's kind of sitting collecting some dust right now that uh doesn't have anything in it but um Maybe I'll, um, think about that, but I don't know, man. It's just like, a, it's a, just that little bit extra work. I got, uh, I got my hands full at this point in time. So I don't know. Could you pump that small tank to a big tank? No. Oh, you want to keep them? Yeah, it would have to be separate. I, you know, I guess I could do the same thing in terms of, um, taking established tank water and whatever, you know, every now and then doing water changes in that small tank. But, um, uh, I'll have to think about it. Cause I do have a, I, I do have a pair of, um, clownfish, the, um, what kind of clownfish do you have? I love your uh, um, it's called Da Vinci. Yeah, mocha. I got, Vinci. I got, a, I got, a, I just got a pair of uh, Da Vinci uh, mocha clownfish. Yeah. What happened was, I have, um, I had two pairs of clownfish in my my peninsula tank, the two hundred twenty five gallon um, peninsula tank. I always wanted to have two pairs of clownfish in one tank, and so I had um, um, a pair of, um, I had an orange, I got an orange storm and a black storm. Actually, I think it's technically like a MOGA storm that uh, paired up. So I've got that pair in there. And then I also had um, another pair of clownfish that were like Da Vinci-like in terms of uh, clownfish. But the bigger um, clown died, just unexpectedly. I, I found it in one of the um, MP40s, I was so bummed out. And and you know, they were all getting along, the four clownfish were all getting along. So. <clears throat> I had like three clownfish in that tank and I was like, all right, I'm going to just try to get one clownfish and put it in that tank and kind of see what happens. You know, will it pair up with the one that lost its mate? So I um, I ordered one Da Vinci clownfish from, um, what is it, Cultivated Reef down in Tennessee? Is that the name of the place? Uh, I'm, not sure. I'm, I'm probably um, um, using the wrong name. But anyway, so I ordered this uh, clownfish And, uh, you know, so they sent it to me overnight shipping and whatnot and it shows up and actually it shipped two clownfish. Oh, I'm like, oh man, you're kidding me. Really? (laughs) (laughs) What am I going to do with the two clownfish? I'm like, that's an awesome thing. I mean, how awesome is that? Like they're throwing a freebie for a clownfish. I mean, how often do you get to see that in terms of like a free, you know, I guess I got a few clownfish, but, um, so I put both of them in a, um, in a frag tank and I still have the three clownfish in the uh, the 225 gallon tank so I don't know if, if anybody out there that's listening has any advice for me in terms of how I to handle that situation should I just put all put, put the two clownfish from the frag tank into the other tank with the three clownfish and hope five clownfish get along I don't know oh. I don't know if any are, are
1: they like really small or they're like
0: an inch and a half okay and the other clownfish are a little bit bigger you know a little bit bigger so um, I don't know clownfish are pretty easy to catch so I guess if mm, things went wrong, then I could always try to uh, net them up. But um, I don't know. I'm just—it um, was—it was, it was pretty—it was pretty interesting, like to get get a freebie and like big oh, what what am I gonna do with this freebie <laughs> type of thing.
1: I, I, so you you mentioned that you always want to have two pairs of clowns each tank. I know people usually go for one pair. Why two?
0: I just love clownfish man i'm like a clownfish hoarder i just love all types of clownfish and um if i could just keep buying clownfish i would now you know some people have these uh clownfish harem tanks but that's a whole different ball of wax you know i mean you got to start those things right at the beginning and um i think you got to have a big brood of clownfish and just kind of get lucky in that sense when when you start them initially but um yeah i guess you know the bigger the reef tank the better Chances are that you can keep multiple uh, pairs in there. Um, There's a cultivated reef in Maine, Great Bearded Reef. Yeah, Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm spacing on the um, on the name of this place. Sustainable Aquatics. That's it. Sustainable oh. Aquatics in Tennessee. Yes, yes. Um, Remy Keith, what's your watch? The other hobby is dive. oh, <laughs> he's wondering what it's a uh, it's a weg, Wenger. W e n g e r. That's that's the that's, the, uh, that's my watch.
1: <laughs> is that a dive watch or is it yeah? A... It's kind
0: of like a dive watch. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty. I it's pretty cool, right?
1: And they're expensive.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> not, not expensive. It's like a couple hundred bucks.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Dude, any anything else we want to talk about here? Anything else that we uh, we missed in terms of the conversation? Yeah.
1: Um. I was gonna dive a little, dive a little deeper in terms of like content creating on YouTube and what I learned along the way. Go but for it, I man!
0: Like no, go we, for it. Let's keep going.
1: And I'm not sure if that's what the current audience want to see too. So I'm totally fine with rolling with uh, whatever they want to talk about.
0: No, dude, go for it. I'm I'd. I, I, I'd love talking about that stuff.
1: It's just some. Um, um, it's just some of the stuff that I pick up along the way. For example, like uh, title. Like sometimes I learned that the title thumbnail is more important than the video, and I experimented yes. with in text in the title or not. Um, initially, like so, I experimented throughout the throughout a couple couple years. Uh, initially, I started out with using text because I feel like the white and yellow text I have is kind of like my branding.
0: Yeah,
1: I was trying to make a point that. So I'm a little bit more confident in my content because I see that each video I have, I have a certain uh, view, right? That, seem, that seems to have a decent audience. So I want to make sure that they see that this is my content when they see it in the uh, related videos and stuff. So i experimenting with using text as branding, but later on, I it just gets a little bit too much. So then I realized that, okay, since I'm doing mostly vlog, maybe my person, my look is the branding. That's when you see that a lot of thumbnails these days, I have my ugly mug on there.
0: <laughs> yeah. So stuff like that. So and I know, you, you found that text is not as effective as just pictures of you. Is that what did, you were saying?
1: Well, text could be effective or even more effective depending. Um,
0: for example,
1: this is kind of like a cheesy example. Like if something terrible happened, maybe a text would be like, oh my gosh, or something right. like that, right? Yeah. That'll catch people. But a lot of times, um, it may be enough when they just see the person and then like something that's some image that's kind of descriptive. So I've been experimenting with that as well. Um, and also, like, I was also kind of burned out sometimes creating content. I feel like that's kind of, like, one of the toughest things, right? Even though I like it. Yeah. But when I was doing weekly videos, sometimes it's tough. So, and there's certain contents I like to create myself. For example, travel videos. Travel different current. Sometimes I don't get a lot of views on those. Yeah. Versus people seem to like disasters, <laughs> like, oh, no, something happened. People seem to like that type of They video. do
0: like disaster videos.
1: They do. <laughs> and uh, I
0: have
1: a, as a segue to something else. So sometimes uh, what I remind myself is that I'll create one video for myself and then one video for the audience. So I know what audience want to see, so I'll make one for something that I feel good about, and next week I'll cut one together for something that the audience like. It can keep going, right? So like this week, this is homework. Next week, okay, this is like my like free time and do whatever I want yeah but going back sorry going back to um people liking disaster right
0: mm-hmm.
1: um I remember reading one comment saying that hey man this guy in no the purple reefer doesn't know what he's doing it. And, like every video is something bad happened his tank is
0: <laughs> hey, you're just being real like, man
1: stuff. oh man but he- here's the thing um each week when you're trying to find content a certain thing like for example dino it doesn't go away after a week right it keeps going it's ongoing so you may be talking about the same thing same disaster like uh, a couple weeks in a row or like uh, something else happened and it's they don't resolve themselves in a week so sometimes they span and on top of that um when you realize that disaster sells people like to see these people in distress and stuff like that you kind of like go towards that kind of content so i feel like when something is maybe like occupying like 20% of what's happening in a reef tank, when I'm actually trying to chase that view, I will focus more on those, I talk about those things. Always bad things happen because I know that drive traffic. So I feel like that's skewed, um, kind of like the image people have. And I see this a lot in a lot of um content creators. Uh, like. I see how come I'm uh, clicking into somebody's channel, right? And every single video is like, oh, no, this happened. Oh, no, that happened. Oh, no,
0: this
1: <laughs> I was like, oh, man, this guy's not that good. But at the same time, I also thought about it. I was like, oh, I understand. Because like they have to exaggerate these kind of small events, yeah. right, or ongoing events to kind of get people's interest. So that's kind of the struggle too, to how to like more accurately reflect um, how you are. Uh, going for the
0: hobby. Yeah. You know, it's tough, especially, you know, speaking of sponsors and all that stuff, I did this, um, this whole, um, video series about my peninsula tank build, and I had a whole bunch of sponsors, you know, for that, um, that series. And, you know, there's, when you have sponsors, there's kind of like pressure that, that you're kind of dealing with in terms of, you know, you want to be able to kind of justify to the sponsors that you actually know what you're doing right? So you don't want to like have videos that are constantly, well, you know, for a sponsored series in terms of a tank build, right? And uh, it's kind of like an educational series. So, um, you know, I, I, it was a little bit nerve wracking for me to do that because you don't know what is going to go wrong along the way. It's kind of like, it's not something where you can kind of like shoot 20 weeks of videos, put it in the can and then slowly roll it out if it, uh, worked out the way that you wanted it to work out, you know, this is yeah. like stuff that we're, we do like in real time. I mean, I don't know how you operate in terms of putting videos out and all that stuff, but, um, you know, I, I, I try to like put stuff out that's happening in real time and, and I don't, you know, sit on it and kind of see how things turn out. I just kind of like put it out there and this is what we got. But, um, yeah, so in that video series, you know, I, I did get dinos that, uh, that broke out. Um, And that, that threw me for a loop and it's, and it's, you know, it was a disaster video and, and, and it did really well, but it's also like those videos for me are like so hard to do because I get so bummed out about the disaster and I don't want to really talk about it, but you know, you gotta, you know, I mean, we're in this game where you're pretty much completely exposed and you're not going to really be able to hide from too much in terms of all the ups and downs, and you yep. you're really putting yourself out there, so that's another thing I think as uh content creators that we have to um, manage is is to deal with the ups and downs, and yeah the the disaster videos do generate a lot of interest, but um, it's just part of the game um here's where I
1: have to do. speak for the content creators to like the general content consumer uh content creators they they have it tough, I think yeah uh, like i'll use myself as an example sometimes i was like okay i want to get this fish but at the same time they're kind of like risky fish i'm not sure but like if i do not need to make content i'll buy in a heartbeat but i know that i need to document i will document it And if i documented people's asses what happened so that kind of like there's that pressure right there um and i know people that man they kill things left and right
0: but it was like oh, whatever i just
1: buy a new one <laughs> oh, okay, uh, but we can't. We can't. So I feel like content creators they hold to a different set of standards. Um, whether there's a saying that okay, if you have an audience, you have a responsibility, right, to do certain things. I'm not sure how much I subscribe to that. I mean, to a certain extent, yes, to a certain limit, but I don't know. There's it's kind of like a scale. I'm not quite sure why I sit there yet. I feel like everybody has a responsibility to be responsible, but should content creator really be that much more? Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know, but that, I do see that. I do see that happening.
0: Uh, Rob upstate New York, thank you so much for that super chat. The comment is another great chat, and we really appreciate the um, the uh, all you folks tuning in and and um, listening to us babble. But. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, this is not babble, man. This is, uh, I, I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy these kind of conversations. And, and Moki, it's uh, it's especially um, fun talking with you because you are a fellow uh, content creator and you're extremely successful in terms of being a uh, content creator. And there's a reason for that. So, um, you know, I, I thank you for what you do.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I've peaked now as like the new <laughs> generation is now. It's like, yeah.
0: nah, uh, I don't think point. so
1: every what like who comes up and what's going on and uh the different the change in formatting has been really interesting there are a lot more podcasts and live stream which i think is fantastic
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. you know and i think i think the uh i think covid might have had something to do with that too because it's sort of like filled a little bit of a gap with um with people not being able to go you know to trade shows or to their um to their clubs are you part of a um a reef tank club where you're uh, i am you are
1: uh, so, in the Washington, D.C. area, there's the uh, WAMES, and we also have
0: CMES, both
1: great clubs. And I've been a member since uh, college years, actually. So, initially, I joined because of their sales sections. They're really smart, they put the sales section of the forum behind a paywall. So, I, mm. I pay my $20 per year to access that, forum, uh, that's, that part of the forum, which has been fantastic. There are a lot of really generous um, hobbyists around the area. Uh, fantastic deals and people who are really open to sharing ideas and stuff like that so i'm really fortunate
0: yeah um our moderator great bearded reef paul is the um the guy that runs the boston uh, reefer society i'm gonna have him on um in a few weeks and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that he he um yeah he runs that uh that reef tank club and i just think those um organizations are so so valuable uh, especially for new reefers that are getting into it because there's uh it's a great great on many different levels you've got um, and, you know, instant, uh, um, um, you know, reef keeping buddies in terms of being able to kind of converse and talk about uh, different sorts of things. You've got the, the whole mentor type of relationship where you've got very, very experienced reefers that are part of the club, probably that, that can uh, give you advice. And, and you know, mentoring is so, so vital in terms of being a uh, important thing in this hobby. Yeah. I,
1: f- I wonder if uh, reef club is going to, have some fundamental change as well. Uh, now, like back when I started going to this reef club, I guess the uh, like Facebook is not a thing yet, and it's really hard to really get in touch with other uh, hobbyists. So, reef club was indispensable, like the forums, um, chatting on there. But now there are a lot more options. I see a lot of like Facebook group popping up. But of course, with the Facebook group, they don't really host like in person events, right. which my my reef club does. And sometimes they even do like small frag swap and stuff like that. But in terms of like communication i i do feel like it's kind of moving from the forum base into like facebook page, um or other other media or discord uh, so i don't know i'm kind of curious where it's going to start going which direction
0: a couple of nice comments here for you uh, Moki russell Muldowney. <clears throat> mokey got me into this hobby gotta love to hear that um and remy yeah at russell Muldowney, he was there when i was first getting into i missed the 45 gallon cube Is that uh, something you had, uh, Moki, years ago?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the tank before the 135, and I started uh, documenting on my YouTube channel. So basically, that tank's off my YouTube
0: channel. And um, Russell is talking about your 10-gallon tank that you used to have? That is the budget build. That's the
1: one I use, uh, Aqua Nights. Uh, It's it's like $60 light, and it was strong enough to grow corals and bubble tube anemones, and um, I use a... Aqua Clear Power Filter as a hang-on-the-back filter. Put like some um, bio media in there and just kind of run it, and that's it. It's uh, I think it's like 100. I called it the 146 dollars um, nano um, nano built, but it's actually 144 dollars. <laughs> Did the math wrong, <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a that's a fun that's a fun series, and a lot of people like it, and that's why I thought okay, it would be cool to maybe do uh, another budget build this year. But again, like I mentioned, like another reef tank, you need a little bit too much work.
0: Yeah, is is there another uh, <clears throat> kind of tank that you have uh, set in your sights down the road there in terms of a dream tank? I don't even know if I asked you that question the last time I had you on there, but uh, is there a dream tank in the future that uh, you know if you had the time, you had the money? Yeah. So there are three tanks that I want. Uh, number one, I want a plan
1: to t- a small planted tank. Mm, nice. I decked plan deck a little bit. I I bought a um, paintball CO two regulator yeah. uh, and it never locked in the CO2, <laughs> and it ended up gassing all my cherry shrimps. I'm really sad about it. Ooh. So I actually invested in things like a GLA, one of the higher end ones. I forgot the exact brand. It's like three, four hundred dollars. So solid regulator, got a nice five pounds uh, CO2 container. Everything's ready to go. And then my son came, so that was put on a back burner for a little bit. <laughs> but at some point, I would like to do a um, high tech uh, planted tank. The second tank that I would love to have, it's an Asian Arowana. Big tank, mm. like a tank. But as you know, like Asian arowana is uh, not legal in the US, yeah. so that could be a pipe dream. Uh, maybe at some point I'll move to some other place, like Canada or something, mm-hmm. and I'll love to get an arowana and stingray tank going. And number three, if I would, if I can keep, actually make that four tanks. Oh, the third man. one would be a garden garden yield tank. I would love to keep a tank dedicated to garden eel. and maybe some fish going around. Yeah. That's one tank that I always wanted to do, but just just too much work and never like never materialize. And finally, I would love to do a kind of like a softy and aggressive fish tank. Like I would love like clown triggers in there. Uh, I love clown triggers. Yeah. So Ecotech they have a clown trigger in the reef tank, and that's actually the tank that inspired me. I looked at it. I'm like, what clown trigger? I thought number one that they don't belong in the reef tank. And number two, I thought once they get large enough, they kill every, everything yeah, else in the tank. that's what I thought. Yeah, so that guy's about seven inches or so just kind of swimming around in a softy LPS tank, and seems to be doing
0: well. Yeah, those are gorgeous, gorgeous fish. But I always, liked, like, like yourself, I thought those things were off limits and never, ever. I, I thought that was going to be only like a, um, a fish-only type of tank fish, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, really cool. All right dude, well listen, I am going to let you go because uh, I'm sure you got to say goodnight to little Leon unless he's already in bed, but um <laughs> Mom, he... in a
1: little bit, just the door a little bit. Like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> well listen dude, this was uh this was a lot of fun for me and I hope you um you come back and join us again uh down the road. Are you going to be um going to Reefapalooza in New York again this year?
1: Probably New York, but one thing we are actually expecting a second kit, end of July. Oh, wow. All right. So congrats,
0: we'll man. Uh, preliminary congrats. Thanks.
1: Thank you. A little girl this time. So uh, you're gonna be well, even, we'll see. You're going
0: to be even busier.
1: <sighs> Maybe it'll be a video every two months. Every two months. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I'm <laughs> counting on Leon to help with the new kid. So we'll see. <laughs> right. You got a built-in helper there. Yep. All right, man. So what are you up to now in terms of subs on YouTube and uh, followers on Instagram?
1: uh instagram i think i'm about 52 53 i'm not sure youtube Valley. i think six is it 66 i don't know 60 something
0: all right so folks uh, out there if you haven't already done so please subscribe to uh to Moki's channel the inappropriate reefer <clears throat> on youtube and and please follow him on uh instagram anything else uh we want to plug there uh, uh Keiths uh
1: keep channel i love your work eve oh. uh bringing up- Awesome guests, and I like your. I like how you alternate like contents, live stream contents, live stream. Um, they work well. They work well. They don't always work well together for some other channel, but for yours, it seems to for some reason you you strike a nice balance between the two type of content. So I enjoy it. Um, and you're a fantastic interviewer. Just like getting people to talk, and you're great at it. So if you guys are not, if you didn't hit the like yet, hit the like, and also let people know about. Keep channel 100 All all right well and that that's
0: awesome man but i was asking you if you wanted to plug anything else of your own but uh i mean that's quite the uh, compliment
1: i'm i'm out of the game i'm done i'm just kind of enjoying it i love it like the freedom is really nice i'm i'm good
0: well, listen, dude. I uh, I wish you all the uh, success, and and maybe if you're at the uh, Ripalooza, New York, we'll run into one another. And let me know. I'll uh, I'll bring uh, I'll bring you some frags, Tyree Red Dragon. Awesome. I grow I that thing like crazy. So
1: awesome. And hopefully by then, I I have some stuff to share too. I think I should
0: trades. I should Love stuff. trades. Yeah. All right, Moki. Well, listen. Thanks uh, again, Moki, for uh, for joining. And I want to thank everybody else for tuning in and the, and the super chats. It's just everything was awesome also want to thank the uh, both sponsors, Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine for supporting the show. And um, I right. also want to remind you folks that Wrapping with Reef on um, all episodes are also available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. The next live stream will be next Thursday, February 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Austin Lefebvre. Buffet from Tenji Aquarium Design and Build. We've had um, Austin on before. So we're going to be talking about um, maintenance on that episode next week. So please uh, tune in. Until then, be safe and we'll see you next time.